Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article that Dr. Matt Spangler wrote for the January issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Using the Numbers Correctly This Bull Sale Season. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Spangler. Oh, it's my pleasure. Dr. Spangler, this article certainly is timely in my mind as the spring bull sale season is right around the corner and soon commercial cow-calf producers will be getting bull sale catalogs in the mail. As they begin to thumb through those catalogs, they're going to find quite a bit of information there and two sources of information is expected progeny differences as well as economic selection indices. Share with our listeners some things that they should know and understand about these tools as they think about utilizing them as they select their next herd sire. You bet, Aaron. I, you're right. As, as people thumb through sale catalogs, there's, there's just a lot of data contained in those catalogs. And it can be overwhelming to the point where I, I feared that a lot of producers just uh, almost cast the catalog aside and, and go out and just visually inspect the bulls. And certainly there's merit in ensuring that the bulls are sound, the temperament is acceptable for the producer. But outside of that, really, if they want to choose a bull that's going to add profit in the the offspring that they produce, they need to focus on the two sets of tools you mentioned, EPD and economic indices. Expected progeny differences include information from that bull's own phenotypic records, so the bull's own uh, weaning weight, yearling weight, ultrasound data, perhaps his own DNA information if that bull's been genomically tested, but then also information from all of his relatives, so not just his parents, but any uh, half-siblings or full siblings that he has, grandparents, etc. So it's really the best tool that we have at predicting the genetic merit of that individual as a sire. As you mentioned, economic indices are also extremely valuable. And and what those are are index of EPDs that are weighted based on their relative economic importance. So in example, if a producer was selling calves at weaning, retaining replacement females, as a lot of producers do, An appropriate index for them would include traits like weaning weight, milk, calving ease direct and calving ease maternal, and hopefully something related to fertility like stability or sustained cow fertility, because those are traits that are really profit drivers for that producer's breeding objective. And I think economic indices, when used correctly, can really simplify the decision of which bull or bulls to actually put on your list because they're really a way of ranking bulls based on their genetic potential to change net profit. Dr. Spangler, as we think about utilizing these tools, how do we begin to set some parameters around how much is too much, how much is enough? Obviously, people's resources, environment, uh, their end goal is different. How do they begin to provide some framework that they can really utilize to sort through and find really the individual or set of individuals that's going to help them meet that objective? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Aaron. And, and that really can be the, the sometimes complicated part. I honestly believe it starts with clearly defining what your breeding objective is. And not to sound juvenile, but, but I think it actually helps to sit and write it down. And, 
what I mean by a breeding objective is identify whether you plan to buy replacement females or produce them yourselves, when and how you plan to market your calves, the resources that perhaps are limited on your ranch, be that forage or even labor. I mean, labor is a resource. So writing those kinds of things down and forming a breeding objective helps identify what traits a producer needs to focus on, the traits that are really impactful to net profit for that enterprise, and that at least narrows down the listing of traits from which somebody needs to, to focus on. After that, it helps to have some sort of benchmark. So historically, what have your calves weighed at sale point, or if you retain ownership, how have they been performing in the post-weaning period? What are pregnancy rates like? Those kinds of things, which most producers do in some form or fashion collect. Probably the more challenging thing is, what are the actual input costs? Or maybe even a more refined question is, what's my unit cost of production? And over the past several years, what has that trend line been? And can I do something genetically to impact it? I think being able to set parameters to your original question first starts with defining what traits I really need to focus on. And then from there, how's the actual performance on my rant been moving the past few years relative to those traits? And again, my largest concern is, is that we probably do a decent job at quantifying the output traits. We sell things. So we, we know what calves weighed, how many calves we had to sell, but do we know what they actually cost us? And it's hard to improve it if we don't know where we are. You talked about some of the economically relevant traits, and obviously one of those that's pretty important is cow pregnancy rate and the number of calves that get to the weaning pen. One of the tools available to us in the industry is crossbreeding, and we know from a lot of research that the crossbred cow certainly still has an advantage economically to her two straight bred counterparts. Give a little perspective on thinking about utilizing hybrid vigor, heterosis, as we think about bull selection and having that be part of our breeding plan. Yeah, that's a really good point, Aaron. There's no doubt for a self-replacing herd that, that fertility and, and in particular sustained fertility is an economic driver, if not the economic driver. And crossbreeding, well done, and heterosis impacts fertility traits the most. And U.S. meat animal research data would suggest that uh, the benefit of heterosis, full heterosis compared to, to purebreds, provides about a, another year and a third in a cow's productive life. So that's about 600 pounds of cumulative weaning weight over her lifetime, which is substantial economically. Crossbreeding systems don't need to be complex. People think of the complex three-breed rotational systems, and there are some producers that pull that off very, very well. But it can be as simple as buying composite bulls to utilize, and there are multiple beef breed associations which record and produce EPDs and economic indices for composite bulls just like purebreds. So there's really no sacrificing of information there. And it can be an easy way to interject some degree of, of heterosis or hybrid vigor, particularly for producers that need an easier management plan to implement. I think it's important, though, as producers think about crossbreeding, that's really a long-term decision. 
and producers can't get caught in the breed of the month kind of a club. They need to stick with a plan and, and work that plan and choose breeds that best match their breeding objectives based on current data relative to how breeds rank and perhaps not the, the biases we have in our mind of how breeds compared decades ago. The other thing I would mention is, although heifer pregnancy certainly is important, what I might contend is even more important is the length of her productive life. If a heifer comes up open, she still has considerable cull value in the right system. However, if a three-year-old comes open, she doesn't. And so I would certainly encourage producers to think about crossbreeding in that context, the ability to extend the length of their productive life. And when choosing bulls, if the breed organization offers a sustained cow fertility or stability EPD, that's what those EPDs are designed to improve. So I'd encourage people to use those. Dr. Spangler, as we think about looking out for our bull supplier, going out and selecting one, how do we think about that as we think about our program and, and again, having that be a piece of what we do in terms of our bull selection process? There are a lot of bull sales uh, across the country and particularly in Nebraska. And so as a consequence, there's a, a lot of, of uh, seed stock producers to choose from. I think it's important to, as you think about any commerce, you want to do business with people you trust. And so that's really important. Is it somebody that stands behind their product that you feel is honest? And after that, do they offer the, the breed or breeds that fit your breeding objective? And within that, have bulls that excel in the traits which you've identified through your breeding objective that are economically relevant to you. So I really think about it in that order. And from there, then, I think it becomes a little bit easier to choose a, a seed stock supplier. And to go maybe a step further, if all those things are met, I think it begs the question of um, does time have to be allocated to actually attending multiple bull sales? Or can you simply work with a seed stock supplier you trust that has products that you need and simply place orders remotely? Um, so that commercial ranchers can spend time doing what they excel in. It's running the ranch day to day. As we start to think about bulls that specifically meet objectives, help us think through some of those specific EPDs we need to know and understand. There's a plethora of EPDs out there, everything from birth weight EPDs to calving ease direct. How do we begin to weigh those? How do we begin to think about those as we think about selecting a bull? Yeah, there are a lot of EPDs, and depending on the breed association, maybe upwards of 20. Some common ones, perhaps the most commonly used one, is birth weight EPD. And, and if I had my druthers, birth weight EPD wouldn't be published. And, and the reason I say that is because we have calving ease or calving ease direct EPDs. And those are a direct measure of how easily a bull's calves will be born when he's bred to heifers, which is what's economically important. How big they are does influence that, but birth weight itself is not economically relevant. So if producers are, are breeding bulls to heifers, I'd encourage them to look at calving ease direct EPDs and know that the bull's actual birth weight's included in that prediction. So if they're using both birth weight and calving ease EPD simultaneously, they're actually double counting the importance of birth weight. 
I'd also say that if producers are retaining replacement females, pay attention to Cavanese maternal. That's really total maternal Cavanese. That's how easily a bull's daughters will give birth their first time around, which obviously is extremely important. I mentioned stability or sustained cow fertility. That's really a measure of the length of productive life of a female. So there's traits like that that are important. I'd also say that for producers in limited resource environments, limited feed environments, pay attention to mature cow weight EPDs and milk EPDs and try to keep those more moderate. And in some cases, below breed average may not be a bad thing as a means of trying to keep input costs low. And perhaps a, a final bit of, of food for thought is even if you sell calves at weaning, somebody's going to feed those calves. And so post-weaning gain to your customer, the person you sell calves to, is important. So even if you sell calves at weaning, I would encourage you not to completely ignore post-weaning gain or carcass traits because you do want to build demand, pull-through demand for your calf. So those are just a few perhaps tidbits to, to think about. Dr. Spangler, where can producers go to find some additional information and resources that can help them be an educated consumer as they seek to understand EPDs and selection indices? What would be some resources that would be helpful to them? Well, the UNL Beef website, I think, is extremely valuable. I'd also encourage producers to look at ebeef.org. That has a set of resource materials, fact sheets, webinars, frequently asked questions that are constructed by uh, myself and, and other extension beef genetics specialists across the U.S. And I agree. I think it's important to be an educated consumer. At the same time, don't ever be afraid to, to ask questions. And if your seed stock supplier can't answer your question, feel free to contact people uh, such as myself, because I, I think it's important to have a full understanding of of what you're buying and the tools you're using to actually make that decision, because bull buying is a capital investment, and you want to make sure that you're actually getting what you think you're getting. Anything else you'd like to add, Dr. Spangler, as we point towards wrapping this up? I would just say that bull buying doesn't need to be overly complex. If you just think about the fundamentals, starting with a breeding objective, having a well-planned crossbreeding system, and then understanding um, the EPDs and economic indices, which actually appropriately weight multiple EPDs together, are easily the best tools to use to select bulls, uh, it can actually become uh, relatively simple. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Spangler. I appreciate the opportunity. For more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the January issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. The title of the article is Using the Numbers Correctly This Bull Sale Season, and that can be found at beef.unl.edu.